today on CityCast Denver. The number of Denverites struggling with food insecurity tripled during the pandemic, according to the Denver Department of Public Health and Environment. One in three people now struggle to put good, nutritious meals on the table. So what are we going to do about it? One Denverite has an interesting new vision for how to connect the community with free, healthy food options. Today is Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. So we are in this massive warehouse. It's much bigger than I had anticipated. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming coming in here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. That was Jim Sharper, founder of Feeding Denver's Hungry. He started the nonprofit eight years ago with a few friends, passing out sandwiches near Little Devil's Lounge on Broadway. But now producer Alexandra McMahon and I had to drive pretty far from their original spot in Baker to get to a new massive warehouse in Montbello. And walking inside, it's obvious that this is not your typical food bank. There are no prepared boxes of pre-selected goods. Instead, it looks and operates like a grocery store where people can come in and choose for themselves what they want to eat. There are aisles and aisles of food, home essentials, and personal care items neatly organized on shelves. But unlike a regular store, this free grocery store has no cash registers. Zero. I guess let's just start walking through and describe what people experience if you're coming to to shop. Yeah, so if you walk in the door here, you're going to first come over and check in with me here at the desk. Okay. They're going to show me the QR code. Anybody that needs groceries would have to go online, feedingdenvershungry.org, and then you're able to sign up for the next month for a day to come out here and go shopping. And you don't just come out here and get a small little bit of groceries. You're taking home groceries for a month of canned and dry goods. And then we do also have some fresh veggies, uh, fruits, meats. So they go to the website, they sign up, and then they get a day. Right, they pick a day and a time slot. Okay. And then they are given an email back, a confirmation email. And at the bottom of that email is actually a QR code. And I scan that when they arrive here. So that's the only thing they need to check in is that QR code. Okay. Then we get them a cart and they are allowed to get anything in the store, basically. We ask them to take only one or two items off of the shelf of any one product. So that way everybody has a fair chance to get something. Okay. And as you can see, as we walk along here, there is stuff that I normally wouldn't afford to buy at the grocery store myself, but but it's here, you know, it's ready for them to to pick up to. Ingredients for baking things, flour, cornmeal. And then we have a whole wall of different canned goods. We, we ask them to limit themselves to 10 canned goods per family. Okay. And then we also have another canned goods section where it's unlimited, where we have a more supply of certain items. Uh, we have lots of fresh fruits and vegetables today. A lot of them are in the refrigerators, but we do have some sitting out here on the tables. Um, so people can get fresh produce as well. Right. So they're, they can get as much fresh produce as they can use for their family. Where does the food come from? Uh, 90% of it comes from the Food Bank of the Rockies. Okay. We're able to purchase things from them for pennies on the dollar. And then uh, they turn around and come back up here. We have some diapers. Oh, um, that's a hot All kinds commodity. of hy- hygiene products. Sure. Um, then we have some laundry products as well. It's just, it changes daily. Sunscreen. What's, what, what we have out here changes daily. So we're always, you know, turning the corner to see what's, what's, what's next. What's but we coming try in. To, try to keep a variety of things. 
So what I'm noticing about the way that you have this set up that's a little different than say what we would call a tr traditional quote unquote food bank is the, the ability for folks to choose their food. Right, it offers some dignity back into the situation. It's like going to the grocery store. Yeah. You pick and choose what you want. The yeah. only difference is, is on the way out the door, I don't see a cash register. Yeah. Why is that important to you? 12 years ago, as of August 29th, I got sober. I was homeless a few years ago, and I know what it's like to be down and out and to feel looked down upon. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of these food banks, when people go to these food banks, they feel less than. Yeah. And I want this situation stigma. to be more of a positive situation. You know, we welcome them, say hi as they come in and get them checked in, and we try to keep it an uplifting experience. Yeah. And when I finally got sober, I decided I wanted to do something to give back. And I started making meat and cheese sandwiches because everybody was handing out peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and I knew that that's not what people wanted. Sure. So that's why I did this. I made some meat and cheese sandwiches, and some friends of mine heard what I was doing, wanted to help, and then friends of their friends and friends of their friends. And it, it's just grown, and now we've got probably over 250 volunteers. Um, can you explain Feeding Denver's business model and sort of how the day-to-day -day business part of it functions? So 99% of what happens here is because of my friends and their friends donating cash, because that's how we continue to buy the product to, to make this happen. So you operate on a donation donations right. to keep this, the operations running itself yeah there's no government backing here this is all just donations of, of people that i know and and their friends and on, it comes on a continue continuing basis because they know what it's like because i've ex yeah. explained to them what we're doing we have had a couple businesses that have made some larger donations but they, they are few and far between yeah it's more individual yeah, it's more individuals at, at twenty dollars a at a time, you know, and it makes yeah. a big in impact. And then you have, like you said, you just have volunteers that that help out every day? Yep, they just show up to, they, they, they actually sign up online as well to volunteer. So um, so anybody can volunteer if someone wanted to, yes, to help absolutely. out? Yes, absolutely. And then our volunteers, you know, a lot of them are in dire situation themselves. Yeah. So the last thing that they get to do before they go home is go shopping themselves. That's awesome. We had a space at Little Devils at 255 South Broadway. That's where we started making hundreds of sandwiches. Oh, sure, off Broadway and Alameda yeah. about. Mm -hmm. uh, we outgrew that. A uh, guy of Acme Storage gave me the keys to the building next door that was empty, and we were there for several years. And then of April of this year, they sold that property, so we had to find something else. And then uh, Prologis saw the, the interview that I did on a news channel and they called me the very next day and, and without hesitation just said, we have a place for you. I have two for you to choose from. When can you meet me? So I went and met him that next day. Wow. And this was the second place we looked at. And I told him this, this one seems like the best layout for us. And he handed me the key that day. And That's we're very thankful because we can serve thousands of families out of this place. So you've been all over the city. Have, have you seen, do you see more people now that you're out here? Do you... We had a little bit of a lull because people were used to us being downtown. Sure. So it was a little difficult for people to find transportation out here. But yeah. now that people know what they're receiving and they know it's worthwhile, they're finding transportation. Our bookings are booked out a month in advance very quickly. So we're not having a problem with that anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I could see the transportation being an issue, but like you're saying, they've got time to set it up. Right. You do this, you know, you sign up for a specific time. It's all very organized. Right. What do you wish people who've never experienced food insecurity would know about that experience that you had? Just that most people would not choose to be in that situation. I think a lot of people think that they look at like our homeless situation here in Denver and they look at it like people choose that situation. I don't believe that's the case at all. Yeah. I think there's a lot of mental illness. I think there's a lot of untreated things. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are one paycheck away from being on the streets and that one paycheck disappeared during COVID. Yeah. And a lot of people ended up sleeping in their cars. Yeah. And now we have all these families that are living together as you know big groups because they can't afford housing on their own right. and none of them can afford food. So I guess I would like for people to recognize the fact that a lot of people are in this situation, not of their own making. Yeah. And they just weren't fortunate enough to have a high paying job like some of the other people. And they live paycheck to paycheck. So when we can put together, you know, a $5 donation and I can turn around and make that $5 turn into $100 worth of product. Yeah. It makes a huge difference, a big impact on our community. Well, this is incredible, Jim. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys coming out here. It's, this is it's great to show awesome. it off. It is awesome. It's a really great thing. And the way that you're running it, I think, like you're saying, with giving people the, the dignity and autonomy of choice is, is huge. It's huge. I've got one more thing for you today. Another installment of our partnership with Denver Street Paper, The Denver Voice. Every month or so, we talk with one of many voice vendors about what they're seeing and hearing while selling papers on street corners around the city. This month, our producer Paul Caroli caught up with Denver voice vendor LaMarquez Smith on a recent Wednesday. But actually Wednesday, I live my life like every day is Wednesday because Wednesday could be good or it could be bad. You know, like every day can't be Friday because not every day is Friday. And not every day can be Sunday. Who wants every day to be Sunday? <laughs> so... <laughs> It's Wednesday. <laughs> Many Wednesdays ago, LaMarquez was living in Indianapolis when he started performing at drag shows under the name Misha. So Misha's my drag name. And like, it's a name that, I mean, a lot of people can't say LaMarquez. <laughs> Misha is really easy. <laughs> and like, I had, it's been my name that I've been called in, in drag and gay circles for more than 10 years. So, I'm, you know, Misha or LaMarquez or Lars or Mark or Q or, <laughs> but yeah, Misha works. <laughs> Misha was a hit in Indiana. LaMarquez says he was even first runner up for Miss Gay Indiana in 2015. But he needed a change and moved to Denver in 2017. And the next year he performed at Denver's Pride Fest. But at the same time, he was struggling to find an affordable place to live and drag became less of a focus. When I moved here, I didn't just focus on drag because I it was a new city. There was mountains to focus on and, you know, just other things. I just needed to needed a break from my regular life and start my Denver life kind of thing. 2017 rolled into 2018, which rolled into 2019 and 2020. LaMarquez says he was working as a vendor for The Voice and still bouncing around the shelter system when the pandemic hit. He spent some time at that temporary COVID shelter the city set up at the National Western Center. But then thankfully, a caseworker got him connected to something better. I'm just glad that I stayed with it because, I mean, you can get discouraged when things don't go your way and you can't get 
the thing that you absolutely need is housing. <laughs> and so um, I'm glad I had that help. His caseworker found him a room at a hotel, but not just any hotel. It was one of eight hotels that the city of Denver paid to fully rent last year as an emergency measure to house some of our unhoused community members. That decision cost $27 million and housed as many as 1,100 people on a given night, according to the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless. Um, This hotel was, you know, for people who were at higher risk for contracting COVID. Um, I myself am HIV positive. I'm undetectable. And so, like, I'm, you know, I'm prone to catch anything, really. Um, And so, like, I was in a place safe for pretty much, not, not a year, but like, Eight months or so, I stayed there. The autonomy and the safety of a private living space gave LamarQuest the time and energy to find an even better place to live, his own apartment. It's in Aurora, over in the Colfax in Havana. <laughs> Havana, ooh, na, na. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, neighborhood is, <laughs> my neighborhood is crazy. It's rough. But, like, it's cool. It's cool. Like... I feel like I'm a neighborhood mom in the neighborhood because, like, I cook for all my people in the neighborhood. And I, like, you know, if something's wrong, they come to me and ask for water and things like that. And a lot of the people in my neighborhood or around my building, they were like me before. They don't necessarily have a place to go. And, like, they've been hanging around these places. And, like, I just, I just treat people like they should be treated or want to be treated or how I want to be treated. So, you know, if you knock on my door and you want some water, I'm going to give you some water, you know. Or if you're hungry and I'm cooking, I'm going to ask you if you want something to eat. <laughs> so that's my little part I can do. I, can't, I may not, not be able to house anyone because I'm barely housed myself, but I can feed you or give you some water. I'm so, I'm like, I'm not grateful that COVID happened, <laughs> but like, I am grateful that COVID happened. <laughs> I know it's weird, but like, I'm glad they had the thought to think about people who had autoimmune issues. And um, so it was, it was really great. It was really great to have that. LaMarquez is still not ready to get back into drag, though. He hasn't performed since Denver Pride Fest 2017. And since then, that's when like, I was struggling with going through homelessness and losing everything. And so I would love to perform right now, but like, I need things to perform with. And I just got a house or apartment, you know what I mean? I just got housed. And so it's a work in progress. I'll work back up to making gowns and like performing and get after I get all the things that I want. The city of Denver seems to be more and more interested in renting and even buying underutilized hotels and motels to house our unhoused neighbors beyond the pandemic. Earlier this year, the Hancock administration announced the purchase of a 94-room hotel and plans to reopen it as a shelter by the end of this year. And when we had the head of the Department of Housing Stability, Britta Fisher, on the show a few weeks ago to talk about their new five-year plan, hotels and motels were in there alongside increased investment in safe outdoor spaces and safe parking. But even though these hotels have helped people like LamarQuest secure a more permanent living space, We've heard some stories about unsanitary rooms and inhospitable conditions. So stay tuned for more reporting on this new kind of shelter and the challenge of moving from an emergency precaution to a permanent fixture of our housing plan. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. A follow-up to our show yesterday. 
Students from schools across the city staged a walkout Monday calling for Denver Public Schools board member Tay Anderson to resign. Hundreds of students gathered outside DPS's headquarters in protest, just days after independent investigators charged with looking into claims of sexual assault reported that they were unable to substantiate those claims, but that Anderson did conduct an inappropriate conversation with a 16-year-old DPS student. He says he stopped messaging her when he learned her age. According to the Colorado Sun, students expressed feeling unsafe with Anderson remaining on the board. Anderson responded with a statement conveying support for students' right to protest, but also said he was, quote, saddened that the media and the school board have perpetuated false narratives that have implied otherwise, resulting in our students feeling unsafe. Anderson also addressed the situation last night in a press conference. I had hoped that I would be able to stand before you today with the sole focus of moving forward. However, I have to acknowledge the students who chose to walk out of school today. I want to make it clear, I support our students and their constitutional right to protest. However, it would be disingenuous for me to pretend as a, though it wasn't painful to watch. And up until the unsubstantiated allegations made by one person on March 26, 2021, I held the trust of the students. I do not blame them for how they feel, and I stand before them today and welcome any opportunity to hear their concerns and to participate in any restorative and transparent process to help heal the harm that has been caused. As always, I remain committed to the entirety of Denver Public Schools community, not just those who have supported me or voted for me. I am committed to working for you, listening to you, and learning from you. Now, let's get back to work for our educators. Let's get back to work for our families. Let's get back to work for our students. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye! weather is fantastic, but my allergies are on fire.